You know, I'm not as uh, young as I used to be, which is unfortunate. I guess I'll always uh, be a little bit younger than Danielle. I'll always be able to hold down over her. But, uh, look, but I, I've been around long enough that um, I feel like I've been in the media for a long time. And uh, I can say that uh, for as long as I can remember, as being a member of the media, we've been debating class sizes. This is not a new issue, folks, not at all. Yeah, sure, in an ideal world, maybe we'd uh, just be so wealthy that we could just hire a personal tutor for every single kid, right? But that's that's not the reality. Uh, we realize that, look, we're going to put kids in a classroom, and we expect that teachers are going to be capable of delivering a lesson to a relatively large group of kids. It's not going to be one-on-one. It's not going to be a group of five. You're going to have a classroom full of kids to teach. That's the job. So at what point, though, does it become detrimental to learning? Right, and maybe if you had to cram 200 five-year-olds into a kindergarten room, you'd have a big problem. And I think there's different perceptions on this as it pertains to the age of the child. Because, yeah, in a university setting, sure, you could have 200 kids there listening to a lecture, and it's on you to pay attention to the lecture uh, and to, to learn what's being taught. You're not going to get catered to at the university level. And, and you know, to some extent, you could say that's true of, of high school. Our reporter, John Himpy, has been doing some digging on some of the numbers here in Calgary. And it suggests, though, that maybe there, there is potentially an issue, whereas it pertains to, to some of the younger grades. So there, there's a recommendation, and this goes back to some work that was done in 2003, that suggests for kindergarten through grade three, it was the Alberta Commission on Learning, said that ideally you'd have 17 children per class, which seems like kind of an arbitrary number. I mean, why not 20 or why not 15? But 17 is kind of what they decided on. Uh, but looking at the data for 2016-2017, you had over 90% of schools in the Calgary region that had average class sizes in excess of 17. So the Alberta Teachers Association, as you expect, they're, they're seizing on this, saying, look, we've still got a problem. What's the answer? Well, the answer is more teachers. And sure, more teachers would mean fewer students per teacher. But there's a cost in hiring those teachers. There's a cost in building the classrooms to put all these these new teachers in with their classes. And are we getting some bang for the buck? I think if it's a guarantee that you're going to get better outcomes, maybe people are going to support it. But is that necessarily the case? Does it follow that smaller class sizes automatically mean better outcomes? Well, joining us for some thoughts is someone who studied this question quite extensively. Michael Zwagstra is a senior fellow with the Frontier Center for Public Policy, fcpp.org. Michael, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me, Rob. Uh, like I say, I mean, this issue comes up a lot, and it's not just unique to Alberta, I'm sure. But, I mean, do, do we, what does the evidence tell us, Michael, about the importance of class sizes as a factor in educational outcomes? Well, there has been a fair bit of research done on this, and uh, the general result is that class size, having smaller classes, has a moderately beneficial effect on student achievement. The uh, uh, the best-known study is the STAR research report, which took place uh, uh, a couple decades ago in the, the state of Tennessee. And that, incidentally, is where you get the 17 students number from, because that was the smaller class sizes that were used in that particular study. Um, the impact is moderate. However, uh, the uh, the cost is huge. It's frankly astronomical. So as far as bang for your buck, as far as if you genuinely want to increase uh, student achievement, uh, spending money to reduce class sizes is not a particularly good approach. It would be far better uh, to 
for example, not go down the road of messing up the curriculum, which the Alberta government is currently doing uh, in, 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 in the different subjects with its curriculum review. If you have direct instruction, teachers clearly explaining things, common sense math uh, approaches of teaching, those types of things, that's how you improve student achievement, not by uh, redu- reducing class sizes for an astronomical amount of money. Right. So if we've got a lousy curriculum, lousy teachers, I mean, we could have 10 kids a class. That's not really going to matter. Yeah, class size is, I mean, it, it's only, the impact, again, is moderate. It depends on a whole lot of other things that are that, that are happening. And obviously, if I had the choice between having a very effective teacher and a great curriculum and a class of 30, I would take that over a weaker teacher and a fuzzy curriculum and 17 students in the class. Absolutely, hands down. And I think if anyone was truly honest with this, Again, a great teacher with a class of 30 versus a lousy teacher with a class of 17, you're going to take the class with the great teacher. And so reducing class size is just not the best policy approach in terms of if government really wants to get bang for its buck in terms of improving student achievement. Right. And I mean, there are all kinds of variables that can come into play. And schools got different situations that they're, they're dealing with. Maybe certain classes or even certain schools have a higher percentage of uh, ESL, English as, as a second language students or students with learning needs. But those are really unique circumstances. And there, there are different ways we can address that, right? Yes. And it's important to note that uh, class size and class composition are two very different things. Class composition, we're talking about the type of students that you have at the class. And so when you have students that have unique needs, uh, that have behavioral issues, uh, class composition tr- really does make a big difference. Uh, but that's a very different question than an arbitrary class size number. And I think most teachers would agree that uh, they would rather have a larger class if you if it means having fewer behavioral issues than having a small class where you have more of those issues. Composition has oh, yeah. a bigger impact than uh, than class size. Yeah, you can think of circumstances where a class of 30 would be relatively easy to manage. Maybe you have a class of 15 where you'd still need uh, teachers' aides, etc. Absolutely. I've, I've been teaching, I'm in my 18th year of teaching, and I teach in a public school, and I have uh, taught class sizes. I've taught some smaller classes, and I've taught classes of, you know, above 30. And it's the main factor is not the number of students. Uh, I can think of classes of 20 and even a little bit less that I had, it was, it was very difficult because of the composition. And I can think of times where I've taught classes of 25 to 30, and uh, it's gone very well. And the reality is, too, is that Often, instruction doesn't necessarily look a whole lot different with a class of 20 versus a class of 17. Um, usually, that's uh, you, you have to have a reasonable amount of whole class instruction time. And so unless you're going to knock the class sizes down all the way down to virtually individualized, personalized learning the whole way through, which is just not feasible because you, it's only so much time you can spend with every student, even with smaller classes, it would just be too expensive to reduce class sizes to the point where you're going to spend a whole lot of extra one in one time. And so I think we should instead put our resources into how can we better support teachers with effective instruction? How could we make sure they have appropriate resources? And how could we make sure that the curriculum uh, isn't uh, promoting uh, poor, uh, basically poor outcomes? And so when you have uh, a math curriculum that, uh, that has only a limited amount of required memorization of facts and standard algorithms, I mean, there's been quite the fight in Alberta about that, and the government has at least made some partial corrections. But you look at what's happening in, in the social studies curriculum where uh, the content is largely being removed and it's becoming all about these 
general themes. Well, if you don't have the content knowledge and if you're not focusing on those things, it's really not going to matter a whole lot exactly how many students are in each individual class. But is it more relevant at the younger grades? Is there more of a need to spend a, a bit more one-on-one time if we're talking about grade one, grade two, younger kids? Yeah, if you're, if you're going to have if you're going to have smaller class sizes somewhere, um, yes, I would certainly put that in at the at the smaller grade levels. But again, that's just not the main thing that I would focus on. And so uh, to put in arbitrary caps, even at the younger grade levels, I wouldn't support. Now, if, if there are going to be class size caps put in place, then only do it at the younger age levels. Don't do it at the higher grades in ter- because uh, the cost is just simply is just simply too high. Because you have to look at it as okay. So we're going to spend X number of millions of dollars reducing class sizes at this level. That's millions of dollars that's not going to something else. Right. And if you're having when you're in a situation which British Columbia is right now, where you're having to hire a whole lot of teachers and they're having to draw teachers in from other parts of the country, um, you're probably going to have to hire some teachers that aren't the cream of the crop, that aren't, you know, that, that because if you, have a, if you don't have a surplus of applicants anymore, now you're not able to hire the best. And so we have the potential of more students end up with a teacher that really isn't as good as uh, what he or she should be. So you have to, there's all these things that have to be considered before just going on a hiring spree and hiring a whole lot of new teachers. Well, and you got to have somewhere to put them, right? I mean, you can look at what the cost of a teacher's salary is, but it's not as though a school just is, is going to have five or six empty classrooms just sitting there waiting to be used. Well, absolutely. And you also have to factor in, and this is where I've always, this is why I've always believed that at the school level is the best place to, you know, by the administrator at the school level to decide what the class size is. Because when you have a situation where if you're going to put in a class size of 17, that cap, and you have, let's say, you know, let's say 35 students in grade one. And so now you're stuck because the common sense thing would be to make a class of 17 and 18, but now you have to make a third class and now you're having to combine grades. And if you want to talk about something parents don't like, they don't like it when you combine grades because you're not getting the full curriculum then because how can a teacher teach two curricula at the exact same time with these combined grades? And, but when you have class size caps, it makes it more likely that you're going to have to go that route because you're hamstrung by these arbitrary numbers. And and I know that in some cases you can have some flexibility where you have a cap of, of this number and 10% of the classes can be above it to try to accommodate that. But what if 11% of classes end up being above that? That's the problem with all of these hard caps. And so, again, going back to the original question, yes, generally speaking, smaller classes have a you know, moderately beneficial impact on student achievement, but there are many other things like teacher direct instruction that have a massively positive impact on student achievement that we should focus on a whole lot more. Right. I mean, uh, developing smart curriculum doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It doesn't, because you could just spend the money uh, that you're that's currently being spent on developing a poor curriculum and just instead spend it on a good curriculum. So, for example, dump the fuzzy math that's currently being used and replace it with jump math across the province, which is been been proven to be quite effective because that program actually focuses on helping students master the basics, and then they can do more complex math. And so it shouldn't have to cost any more because you replace the poor thing with the good thing and just spend the money more effectively. Some great points. Uh, Michael, we'll leave it there. More to fcpp.org. Appreciate the insight as always. Thanks for joining us here. Well, thank you for having me, Rob. Have a good afternoon. You too. Bye. That's uh, Michael Zagstra. He's a teacher, as he mentions, also a senior fellow with the Frontier Center for Public Policy, written a lot about these issues. So I think he raises some great points.
And he's not saying class sizes don't matter, but he's saying there are a lot of other things that do matter and maybe matter more. So if we were given a price tag for making class sizes bigger, and we said we could also use that money to give some teachers some additional training or do other things, what would be the best way to use that money? Because it is expensive. You're not only hiring teachers, but you've got to build the classrooms to put these new classes in. And as he says, if you got artificial kind of arbitrary caps, you create those problems where now we got 18 kids in grade one. Now we got to take one out. And where's that kid going to go? We're going to have to move them around and split them up. And it just, uh, to what end? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what's important in looking at these numbers. If the, the recommended limit is, is 17, that we've got some classes that are at 18 or 19 or even 20, is that, is that a real problem? If we've got some that are at 30 or 40, that's a different kind of conversation. 